Women do face more risk, so we face sort of online banning. If you care about your elderly mother in a home who's going to not be able to ask for a female to come and care for her, if you care about people going in hospital and can no longer have a single-sex ward, if you care about your daughter in school being embarrassed and not wanting to go to the toilet because she's worried that a boy's going to be next to her, you know, whether she's having a period or not... If you care about any of those things, it's men's duty to speak up because no one's taking you to court. Hello and welcome to The Brendan O'Neill Show with me, Brendan O'Neill. This is a podcast in which an esteemed guest joins me to talk about the big ideas, the bad ideas, the problems and the controversies of life in the early 21st century. In this episode, I'm delighted to be joined by two esteemed guests, Posey Parker and Venice Allen. Posey and Venice are, it's fair to say, quite notorious figures, at least in the eyes of the woke left and the transgender movement. They are implacable critics of the transgender ideology, and they are articulate defenders of women's sex-based rights against the coming invasion of women's spaces by trans women, or as Posey and Venice see them, men. They have spoken, written and campaigned around the issue of transgenderism and its conflict with basic feminist principles. They organise a series of talks under the title We Need to Talk, focusing on the proposed Gender Recognition Act and the threat it would pose to women's rights. Posey is also behind the billboard and t-shirt and sticker campaign promoting the dictionary definition of the word woman. Those words, woman, adult, human, female, have since become a rallying cry for many trans-sceptical feminists. Both have faced punishment for their views and their speech. Both of them have been banned from Twitter for daring to question the idea that men can become women. Venice was suspended from the Labour Party for sharing supposedly transphobic memes. Both have been questioned by the police over things they have said. Posey was questioned for something she said about the head of mermaids. Venice found herself taken to court for allegedly saying malicious things about trans people. Posey and Venice, welcome to the show. Hi. Thank you. Hi. Thanks for having us. So the first question, just something I want to clear up. What are your pronouns? (laughs) (laughs) Mine are... What's your quote on that? If you need to ask my pronouns, you're probably a little bit simple. (laughs) That's my, my line. So in your view... And I can't believe I'm saying this, but in your view, there are men and women and there are (laughs) intersex people, which is a very Mm -hmm. small, very small number of people. One in 50,000, I think, people are born with ambiguous genitals. Yeah. So um, how have we, just to give a a kind of brief overview before we get into the detail and the meat of the issue, no pun intended, uh, how did we get into a world in which saying that saying that there are men and women and one cannot become the other has become pretty much the most controversial thing you can say these days. It's loads of roots that all have sort of this perfect storm of online um, censorship, a very strong uh, big pharma. Uh, So it's lots of vested interests in diminishing what it means to be a man or a woman and and in fact not really a man anymore it's it's more an attack on on women because uh the the trans juggernaut is coming for men but it's not coming in the in the form of trans men so-called trans men so women who call themselves men it's coming from men predominantly heterosexual men who want to slot into the lgbt uh 
family and they don't really belong there because they're straight men. Mm. They just like to wear women's clothes and fancy themselves as women, like literally fancy themselves as women. (laughs) (laughs) So Venice, in relation to that, as you will know from experience, if you were to stand up in most leftish meetings these days or particularly woke leftist meetings or even in Corbynista circles and they're supposed to be kind of a return to the old left radical politics of the past if you were to stand up in those kind of environments and say if you have a penis you're a man not a woman I mean you will get shot down so you don't even have to say that you you have to if you look at the recent Labour conference a nice man from Tottenham got up and basically said, you know, women should be allowed to speak about this issue that affects them. And he was booed by, you know, it sounded like most of the people in that room. Mm. So it's not even saying, you know, women don't have penises. Mm. It's just saying, can we talk about this redefinition of the word woman? Yeah. Okay. So let's trace a little bit about where this stuff comes from, because there have been, and I'm using this word in the sense that it is the word that was used in the 60s and 70s. There have been trannies for a long time. There have been men who dressed as women, who some of them were involved in the Stonewall riot, although their involvement tends, in my view, to be somewhat exaggerated. But there have always, within those um, LGBT circles prior to the institutionalization of the idea of transgenderism there have always been men who dressed as women there have always been butch lesbians there have always been these people who played around with gender and experimented and and took risks you know i'm sure walking through the streets of new york city in 1966 Mm. in women's clothing if you're a big bloke was a pretty risky thing to do Uh, they would not most of them the vast majority of them would never have considered themselves women they would never have considered themselves to be the sex that they were pretending to be so how did did we go from that to a situation today where all we hear is this mantra repeated all the time trans women are women trans women are women so what's the turning point do you think where trans trannies uh, i.e. men largely who experiment with women's clothing become becomes the transgender ideology and this belief that they are actual women. Well, aren't we talking when we talk about trannies? Aren't we talking about two groups? We're talking about transsexuals, as they would have been called, people like men who actually wanted to have an operation to change their genitals and have breasts and actually live in verticals as a woman, and then you've got um, transvestites who mm. we knew. You know, we always knew that there were certain straight men who got a kick out of putting on kind of like stilettos and suspenders and stuff. I mean, when did you, I, mean, I was just trying to think when you were saying that, when was the first time that you heard the acronym LGBT? I think for me, it was like 2010 or something. Mm. Well, before that it was lesbian and gay rights. Yeah. Mm. Was, I remember you know, very vividly first because I was doing a project and we were talking about gay stuff and they, and somebody said to me, no, no, it's not gay and lesbian, it's LGBT. It's very clever. It's, mm. it's, it's, it's very clever and it's quite recent as well and somehow yeah. it's just been absorbed into our language, this idea that gay and lesbian rights have got anything to do with transsexuals, transvestites and then this kind of new term, transgender, which covers them all. Yeah. And so how would you... Posey, define the distinction between lesbian and gay rights, which Mm. I'm sure all of us agree were really important rights for people to struggle for. How would you distinguish between lesbian and gay rights as they were previously understood and the transgender idea? Why would you say that the T doesn't belong in LGBT? 
well, basically, because it's not a sexual orientation. So it's not about living your life as a free and happy, content adult with whoever you choose to fall in love with or have sex with. Um, the, uh, the concept of a gender identity, which I think in the olden days we called personality, um, <laughs> is, is just quite odd that, mm. that we've decided to label this stuff. And it has absolutely no, nothing to do with it. In fact, transgenderism in itself is an absolute attack on the rights of gays and lesbians because they can no longer self-define. If you can't say what a man is and what a woman is, then you can't talk about same-sex attraction. And that is where we're heading. I think Stonewall have just rebranded mm. and they've called it... A top or something. They're talking about Black History Queer. Month. They've erased both gay and lesbians and called them queers. And then black people, it's no longer about black history, it's people of colour. Mm. Yeah. So they've managed to erase everyone with mm. this new acronym. It's also, I think, you know, we've kind of, we've achieved gay rights, haven't we? Um, and so there's a lot of money in that whole sector. Yeah. We've, we've, you know, we've got equal marriage, we've got, you know, workplace discrimination, everything's fine for gay and lesbians. AIDS is pretty much sorted, you know, if you compare where we were. And yet, so there's all this funding and, and they've very cleverly, piggybacked on that movement mm. and it's so clever in so many ways because they've not only got access to all that funding and you know influence they also I think a lot of people have never thought about trans rights still mm. however much you've been going on about it the last couple of years most people you know a lot of people might think oh well I was caught out before with homophobia especially like right-leaning politicians mm. Um, you know, all we, the Tories were terrible with the with the gay marriage and the adoption and stuff like that. So we don't want to make that mistake again. Mm. So I think it really um, stops people questioning it. Yeah, I, I think one thing that's quite striking to me is that I think one of the profound differences between the kind of gay liberation movement of the late 60s and particularly the 1970s and some of the 80s, although then it went horribly wrong with the AIDS mm crisis or AIDS panic, depending on how you see that moment. But the, the, the striking thing about that era was that this was a campaign for autonomy. This was a campaign for more choice in people's lives, for the right to be left alone, left alone by the state mm. who were barging into their bars and beating them up, left alone by the moral majority and stopped being you know, harassed or discriminated against by those people. So it was a campaign for autonomy. Whereas I think what is so strikingly different about the trans movement is that it's got nothing whatsoever to do with autonomy. And no. in fact, uh, on both sides, on, on the trans people's side, it locks them into this kind of permanent state of requiring validation from the state mm. and validation from the medical authorities, which is not liberty at all. And then on the other side, which is where you guys are in particular, people who are critical of that, I mean, there's no autonomy there at all. It's just presumed that you are evil people who need to be shut down. So I think one of the most important shifts has been away from autonomy to identity and away from that quest for freedom towards this new movement, which just feels really kind of stiff and ugly and authoritarian and um, intolerant. It's very sinister. And also, I think with the gay rights movement, no gay man said, I want you to call me straight. 
So they didn't they didn't ask you to lie. They just asked you, asked you to accept. Whereas with the trans movement, not only do they want you to accept and make way, completely make way and give up some of your rights and space for them, but they also want to take your children and they want to render your child infertile and also sexless because once you go on puberty blockers, you don't develop a sexual body. So then they're sort of, it's absolutely insane mm. that either A, people are going along with it because they haven't thought for a second what it actually means to transition a child. And also that, that those that do understand kind of explain it away as if it's anything other than absolute profound mutilation and abuse of a healthy child's body. I mean, it's quite disgusting. I've got a couple of questions on the trans kids issue. So I want to come on to that. And I think it's really important because one of the homophobic things that was said in the 1950s in particular with all those weird black and white American films about the threat of homosexuals, there was always this idea that they would corrupt children. Now, the, the reason that was a prejudiced idea is because it wasn't true. Mm. This wasn't happening on any grand scale at all. Whereas fast forward to today, and it is actually true that the transgender movement uses children as a moral shield and mm. often puts yeah. them at the forefront of their campaign. So I want to come on to that specifically okay. in a moment. But you mentioned how this campaign requires that we lie. Mm. And uh, I think that's a really important aspect of it. So it's, it, not only does it demand that you never criticize it, but it, it demands that you go along with its untruths. And Venice, you're wearing a t-shirt saying woman, yeah. adult, human, female. So um, just explain a little bit about why you think it's so important to push back. Because I know that you two in particular are quite hardcore in, in, the, in the turf <laughs> world in the sense that you don't even use pronouns out of politeness so you just refuse to use preferred well, pronouns mean, it's difficult isn't it whether you use pronouns or not we're all in different social situations I now whereas six months or a year ago I would have maybe said that I would use preferred pronouns now I've thought that through with the help of radical feminists like Julia Long and Sheila Jeffries I realized that actually that's a ridiculous thing to do we mustn't use we mustn't start this journey of this deceit mm -hmm. but I you know I will avoid pronouns because I am in situations with people who call themselves genderqueer or trans. Mm. And I just, you know, your pronoun is you, isn't it? Like mm. it's the, what they're demanding is that we talk about them when they're not even there. <laughs> in this particular way they're trying to control the way we speak about mm. them and, and what you were just saying about how politically we all have to recognize them it's even deeper than that it's actually in their act of dressing up as the opposite sex i think especially when it comes to these middle-aged men who are doing it you know it's part of the kink and the kick is forcing women, forcing people to observe them. I mean, someone who isn't really on our side or not is Grayson Perry, who dresses up, you know, he says, I think he admits that he's got yeah. yeah. And he says, you know, he got bored of passing. He didn't want to pass. He wanted the attention because that is the kick. That mm. is the kick. But in, in, in relation to refusing to lie, uh, I mean, so for example, <laughs> the idea that trans women are women, you think that is a lie? It's a total lie. And so, uh, so. Or that some people are neither or both. <laughs> yes. That, or you... some on some days. And, you know, <laughs> every single way you look at it, you know, you, you are your body. You can't be born in the wrong body. Which bit is the wrong bit? You know, it doesn't make any sense. And while 
five years ago, two years ago, whatever, I might not have thought through what the problems could be mm. about that. I just thought, well, you know, guys dress up as women and people can wear what they like. I hadn't really thought through the implications. Mm. And and now, once you see the implications, once you see that even if you're just being polite, I mean, especially in a public forum, you know, if you go along with preferred pronouns um, or any of this, you are encouraging, it's not just the mutilation of language, like Douglas Murray says, it's the mutilation of children's bodies mm. you're actually you're being mm. a part of that i think that is actually where it becomes much more serious Absolutely. which is why i want to ask some questions on that because i think then it moves way out of the realm of adults making stupid decisions which Freedom i think speed many of them do, yeah. and it becomes something else but in relation to trans women are not women that's my view that's your view too but so Posey, would you refer to them as trans women or do you just no, no. so how so your view of Trans women and this mantra, trans women are women, yeah. which is always repeated like a religious cry mm -hmm. in, the, in an attempt to drum it into people's Actually minds. Actually projected onto the houses as a part yeah. of it. So it's like, and, and, the, and the very religious nature of it makes you think, okay, it can't possibly be true because it just becomes this mindless mantra. So uh, how do you respond to that particular cry, trans women are women? What well, then, you, then. <laughs> That's it. That's it doesn't, I mean, it's, it's, we could have a really intellectual, well, I could probably struggle, but we could have an intellectual like discussion about why it's not true and how it's not true, but it's just not true. Yeah. You know, when I walk out in the, the rain, I'm going to get wet. That is a, just a, a plain fact that that's how it is. Um, when a man, when a male is born with a penis, mm. he's a boy, then he's a man. Mm. And there is absolutely nothing he can do to change that. And just to, if I can just backtrack on the um, pronouns, mm. Pronouns and short words in our English language are so much more important and they mean so much more. They, they have quick fire messages to our brain that communicate much more than he, she. It's, you know, if you say, for example, if you say you can't use, she can't use the women's toilet, right? That becomes a really difficult thing to say as opposed to he can't use a women's toilet. So if you don't bend the language there, that's important. You don't have to say her penis right. or his vagina. You know, these these things, they're, 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 they're hilarious, aren't they? We're all people who are sane understand that it's it's absolutely preposterous, but we have to have these conversations because there are other people that would go, what's the harm? Well, yeah. it's great harm. Can I, can I just say something as well? Like when we say, you know, so you use one example, another example is that she was, she was beaten or she was held up compared to he was beaten. Like if we look at Maria McLaughlin's court case and mm -hmm. how she was a woman who'd been beaten up by a man was forced to say that she was beaten up by a woman and she found that impossible to say because she'd actually been beaten up by this yeah. person. Mm. And that meant that the judge didn't award her damages for the camera that was smashed out of her hand. And, you know, and, and all these situations, she masks a male entitlement. And when you actually uncover it, in so many of the situations that they're demanding being called she, actually, aha, you see what he does to those sentences mm. and to those arguments. Mm. And it's, There's something incredibly Orwellian about it because the, <laughs> in 1984, the whole thing was that they, you know, the whole nature of a new speak is that you would change not only how the everyday language people use, but it, with the aim of changing how they think mm -hmm. and, and how they conceive the world they live in. And it strikes me, you know, uh, the slogan, of course, is war is peace, freedom is slavery. Yeah. Uh, uh, a, a penis can be female. That's the mm. new version of that. Mm. And so I think 
the language aspect of it is so important when you have things like cisgender or where you have born males being referred to as she, even if they, they are rapists in a, in a, sometimes in a woman's prison and so on. And, and all of that contributes to a culture in which people are, there is huge pressure heaped on people to say things that they know are not true. And that is exactly. Utterly- and nobody thinks. Very few, only a very few deluded people would think a trans woman actually was a woman. Mm. Unless it's that all trans- kindness, yeah. isn't it? Mm. Unless that man turns up to babysit their kids, and then I think everybody suddenly recognises that person as male. Mm. But we went to Washington, and there was a large meeting where there, there was um, Representative Kennedy with a man called Sarah McBride, and they just finished this terrible meeting with with parents in the room transitioning their four-year-olds I mean it was quite it was grotesque and those parents recognized me they were quite abusive actually and when they'd all left Julia Long and myself went and asked Sarah McBride questions like why do you hate lesbians why are you trying to trample all over women's rights and he'd said nothing now that was reported by both supposed feminists and the press as this vulnerable trans woman at work and that actually carried that message because they used trans woman and sarah mcbride i mean if they'd said um posy parker and judith posy parker five foot one went in a room and asked a man some questions or if he'd been mike pence and i'd gone and asked him those sort of questions nobody everybody would have gone that well done that's amazing but because sarah mcbride carries this female you know you you get the idea that and they're obviously they're also vulnerable in these positions of great power and in the american um political sort of class uh, it just it it delivered that message i was the yeah. terrible woman that ambushed this poor vulnerable uh, trans Huge woman. Man. <laughs> <laughs> but what's, uh, what's really interesting, I mean, that's actually a, a, a really good point because so often in these debates, you see things being turned completely on their head. So, mm-hmm. for example, if there is a, uh, a meeting of trans skeptical feminists, or, or as they're referred to in, in the warping of language, TERFs, which mm. effectively means witches, you know, yeah. uh, that's the modern term for witch, bad woman who needs to be kind of burned at the stake or at least cast out of polite society. Mm-hmm. If there's a meeting of those trans skeptical feminists and there will be so-called trans women outside but what it Mm. usually boils down to is is men yeah and some of their allies as they're called and so it's presented as the women are the oppressing force Mm. because they're having this discussion about the gender recognition act for example whereas the men outside who who have sometimes actually used either censorious tactics to stop the meeting and sometimes even physical force yeah. against some of these transskeptical feminists they're treated as the victims so it's like a license for misogynistic behavior oh yeah. yes and the whole thing is just turned on its head but politics in general is like that now isn't it yeah. it's like nobody's speaking about anything from a point of view of authenticity or integrity everyone's trying to spin everything and, you know, the most terrible, we've all seen turfisaslur.com and the most terrible language, like you saw, I think it was turf graves to gender neutral toilets or something. Yeah. You saw that yeah. was a sign outside. Wow. It's had Some- a philosophy meeting in Melbourne. Yeah. Wow. This is just on Facebook today, yeah. wasn't it? Yeah. You know, imagine, you know, turf graves are gender neutral toilets or something along those lines. Mm. I mean, this sort of language comes all the time at us mm. and yet are saying women don't have penises mm. and we are the most hateful hate speakers. You're listening to The Brendan O'Neill Show. If you like this podcast and Spike's other podcasts, and also the articles and essays that Spiked publishes every day, please think about giving us a donation. 
Spike's content is free and we want to keep it free and donations really help us to do that. Head over to Spike's donation page now at www.spiked-online.com. I was going to ask you actually about hate speech because when you refer to Sarah McBride as a man mm-hmm. and uh, and you say he, mm-hmm. you will be well aware that I mean you're saying it now in a safe space because um, <laughs> I agree with your criticism of the trans women are women idea, but that is now counted as hate speech. So that is now considered a a hate crime virtually. Yeah. So uh, how do you counter that? I mean, because the the danger, of course, and you two have experienced this probably more than any other transskeptical feminist in this country. The danger, of course, is that the more that you um, stick by your guns and say trans women are not women, the more difficult it becomes for you to occupy public spaces. So you can't really use social media and the Labour Party doesn't like you very much and Mm. you might even get a tap on the shoulder from the cops. So uh, has there ever been a part of you which thinks you need to tone things down or does that just push (laughs) you in the opposite direction? (laughs) No, not not in even for a second. In fact, I feel it's my duty to keep saying it because I feel I can say it and I will say it. And if you want to stop me, then let them take me to court. I would love to say it in a court. I would love a judge to try and direct me to use preferred pronouns. It's absolutely not going to happen. <laughs> and I'm in a very privileged position that I, I don't have a job. I don't need employment. My kids are all on board. I mean, maybe it's not so privileged. Oh, we're just but... two ordinary mums who had Facebook accounts. We're ordinary mums. We're not mums. journalists. We're not politicians. <laughs> we're not. I mean, I was chucked out of the Labour Party, but I wasn't a woman's officer. I wasn't speaking for the Labour Party. I was just an ordinary mm. member. Mm. You know, so yes, we have privilege, but yes, we're just ordinary people. And anyone could say what we say, but they're just too scared. <laughs> well, I, I think, don't know. I think more than more than what we are able or willing to do is what so many aren't is quite absolutely scandalous. The Labour MPs uh, and the the Tories, I I went to see my Conservative MP and I said to him, will you speak about this? And he said, well, you know, it's very dangerous to speak about these sort of issues. And I said, but you're our representative. We elected you. I mean, I didn't. I've never voted Tory in my life. But despite the fact that everybody calls me far right. (laughs) um, But I I said, um, but we've we've elected you to be our voice to power, and if you won't say it, who won't? He said, well, we're relying on you, <laughs> <laughs> and so you've got like Jess Phillips and you know sort of big personalities, w- women in the Labour Party who present themselves as these sort of cre- you know really strong women who have said absolutely nothing about it. And they know that people have been to the police. I mean, I've been interviewed twice, once for saying that I would say this in open court and encouraging Susie Green, the woman who runs Mermaids, who took her son to Thailand and had him castrated for his 16th birthday. And I often think, what did I get my kids when they were 16? (laughs) And both... Both my older boys still have their testicles, so it certainly wasn't that. <laughs> but, you know, I, one of those two comments on on YouTube where I, I basically said that it was wrong to castrate and then mm-hmm. I said I'd say it in court, that got me a 45-minute interview under caution at the police station. I mean, it was like a YTS officer. She really didn't know what she was doing. But it's just, it's in, it's absolutely insane. It is completely insane. And the most insane thing about that case in particular is that when I heard that that's what was happening, 
happening and you were being questioned for having said this about Susie Green and her son, I thought to myself, oh, she's obviously said something incorrect or she said something mm-hmm. defamatory. Yeah. But then you look into the case and as Rod Dreher wrote in the American Conservative, who wrote a good piece about this, it's actually true her, that for her for, for her son's 16th birthday, mm. because he couldn't have that operation in the UK, she took him to Thailand and he had an operation that removed his genitals. Mm. So that's a, a good example, I think, of where you can be hauled before the police and in some cases hauled before the courts for saying things which are actually true. But I want to ask you both about misogyny because the thing is the, the thing that i find frustrating um and you guys must find it frustrating a million times more because you're often at the very hard edge of this is that uh, this discussion we're having now and lots of the discussions you guys have will be denounced as transphobic and mm. bigoted and hateful and far right and all this other nonsense but it strikes me that one of the key arguments that's being made very well by turfs or trans skeptical feminists is that there is a very strong element of misogyny in transgenderism. Mm. My view is that the whole idea of transgenderism is innately misogynistic because the notion that a man can become a woman simply by declaring it, I think demeans the entire nature of womanhood. So uh, Venice, how would you define the kind of misogynistic attributes of the transgender? It's not just like a man can say he's a woman and we have to accept him as a woman. That's misogyny. But also, you know, you've got to remember that nowadays, 75% of the kids going to the clinics are girls. They're escaping womanhood. They're escaping, you know, that it's, it's more gendered out there than when we grew up in the seventies and eighties, you know, and it's no wonder that so many of these young girls are, you know, many of them lesbian, many of them autistic, but many of them just, just, you know, why would you want to choose that when you, your classmates have got porn on their phones and then you're, you're, they're comparing you to that kind of thing. Mm. Yeah. You know, and, and if we're talking about, you know, transphobia, which I don't think is actually a very useful word, I think mm. it's really misleading. You know, what is it? What is, what would people actually call transphobia? It's actually, people being beaten up on the streets for wearing women's clothes or whatever like that. That's misogyny. What 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 people would say is real transphobia. That's homophobia and misogyny. It's not, there's no such thing as transphobia because yeah. there's no such thing as trans. Yeah, I think what people mean by transphobia is any critical commentary. I mean, well, the yeah. vast majority of what they're talking about is critical commentary, which calls into question mm the the tenets of the transgender ideology but in relation to the misogyny thing i think the girls aspect in relation to the growing number of girls who are going through trans moments when they're often very young i think it really does speak to a a a misogynistic element in this i mean when you have 13 year old girls and 14 year old girls binding their breasts in this very shameful way and being you know disgusted by their own bodies Mm. it does suggest that the transgender movement is licensing a kind of self-hatred among certain yeah. aspects of young girls. Even the non-binary movement. There's like yeah. a BBC podcast about this young woman. She's not even a teenager. She's in her 20s or 30s and she calls herself non-binary. And the whole thing is just how much she hates her breasts and how she she binds them. And, and you know, it's just like a nine-part series or something about how much wow. she hates her breasts. And, you know, she's looking forward to this time when she's going to have them surgically removed. And she's like, you know, why? But you don't even think you're a man. But it's so bizarre. Posey, I'll put this to you. I mean, it's bizarre, firstly, that you can have trans women, i.e. born males, 
saying that they are women because, you know, they have got huge breasts and they've got long hair and, you know, they never transition into kind of librarians with a neat bob and a kind of cashmere sweater. (laughs) It's always this exaggerated, sometimes Mm. quite perverse view of womanhood. But then in relation to the girls who are transitioning, which is a growing number, it is absolutely bizarre to me that you can have a culture, a mainstream culture, which sanctions disgust with a female body and i think any mainstream culture that sanctions disgust with a female body really ought to stop and have a word with itself surely well i think so and the way we're recruiting these girls um mermaids has now got a advert about ethan who is a girl who thinks she's a boy and that goes out to popular minecraft videos on youtube so they're now absolutely targeting young women uh, and girls and probably boys i'm sure that 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 one will come but women have often hated their bodies you know we've been public property if you like for a really long time and so there's there's been anorexia there's been self-harm there's been a, a host of ways that women have damaged or tried to prevent their bodies from becoming uh, public property and i think most women if they haven't had even you know a, a flickering of um, an eating disorder then they're quite lucky but this new thing there's no getting out of it. In America, in one hospital, Marin County, they do four to six double mastectomies on young teenagers every day. And in, in Oregon, in America, you can get that done without your parents' consent at 15. I mean, this is what's coming. This is what I fear. And we're quite lucky to have the NHS that they don't want to, you know, spend the money and we've got nice guidance, although it isn't very good. But there's a girl on YouTube who's got 600,000 subscribers or the, one of her videos got 600,000, but she's big. And she went to a private surgeon in the UK when she was 18. And within three months, he'd removed or amputated, shall we say, both her breasts. Three months. There's, there's so much money to be made. It's absolutely gruesome. Mm. There's a kind of cult-like behavior in some of this because mm-hmm. uh, there was a fascinating and deeply disturbing article published in the US a few months ago about young women who go off to university in the US yeah. and they go off and their parents are super proud of them. They're going to great universities and they're successful and they're ambitious and they're attractive and everything else. Then they come home after their first term or their second term sometimes and their breasts are completely hidden. They're starting to grow moustaches. Their hair is being completely cut short. And it does have echoes of, you know, some of the madder cults that existed in the 1960s where women in particular who were often drawn into those cults would, you know, shave their heads and and do things that would allow them to kind of disappear into a crowd and become something that was allegedly more acceptable. What is a, a, a useful way of trying to shake people out of this what's the best way to challenge this kind well, of behavior that's what we talk about every day on the phone isn't it yeah. <laughs> we just do whatever we can i think that inevitably in 10 years time the lawsuits will start let's hope i mean i don't think this is a long-term thing transgenderism mm. because we know that the hormones kill you the surgery the hysterectomy is going to the menopause at age 15 or 16 or 17 or whatever wow. so i don't think it's gonna last because just physically it's completely unsustainable and unhealthy but you know how do we 
to shake it, we have to. How do we shake it? I, mean, I think some people, some women, some feminists have decided, like, well, let's let's keep it as it is. You know, yeah. there's been no problems until now. Can't we just keep it how it is with the Gender Recognition Act, for example? No, because this whole culture is, cha- you know, there's thousands of mm. children on the waiting list at the Tavistock Clinic, like you say. Yeah. In America, it's even worse. So, you know, this idea that, you know, some people are more trans than others, or if you go and you have your operation, then you're more trans than somebody who just calls themselves, you know, whatever. I I just, I think we, and I think Posey thinks as well, I think we just think you've just got to say it however you can, wherever we can, that this is all nonsense. (laughs) Well, I I also think people talk about trans children, their parents being brave, and I would like to say as a female the most disgusting thing is that mothers are more likely to go along with it fathers are more likely to transition and co-opt all the coerce and gaslight the whole family into his uh, sexual fetish but mothers go along with the children i have no idea what that is but it's it's quite disgusting but when we talk about children transitioning and being allowed to make the choice, so you were on the Nolan Live thing, mm. and someone said, would you not like me to do that about him being, I think he'd come out as gay, which is clearly nothing to do with this. But if my 12-year-old daughter said to me, I really love John down the road, who's 59, and I'd say, well, no, you don't. And she'd say, well, no, I really, really do. I know with every cell in my body that I love this man and I want to be with him. Everybody would have no uh, hesitation in saying, she's a child, that's ridiculous, she doesn't yeah. know. Agreed. But if she says, I want to remove my breasts, I want to take puberty blockers, I don't want to go through puberty, I eventually want to have half my forearm removed to make a fake penis that will never work, mummy. I'm supposed to be the parent that affirms that, otherwise I'm an abusive, transphobic, bigoted mother. You know, we don't allow children to make these adult choices. And I think the way you shake people out of it is you draw that very clear distinction between we would not let our children be Mm. sexually active. So we cannot allow them to totally corrupt and ruin their bodies because they're the same. They're the same children with the same uh, experience. Yeah. You're listening to The Brendan O'Neill Show. Subscribe now so that you never miss an episode. And it would be great if you could give us a rating and maybe even a review. That is a really good way to help new listeners discover the show. In relation to the trans kids stuff, which I do find genuinely horrifying, Mm -hmm. and I think it's spreading so much confusion and in some cases um, really bad medical intervention into kids' lives, particularly vis-a-vis... Uh, puberty blockers. I think children have an absolute right to go through puberty. It's such an important process of life. I think all that stuff is really terrifying. And I think it really speaks to the danger of letting this stuff go by or nodding it through. Mm. So when you say that politicians say to you, well, we're not going to say anything, it's too controversial, or as you will know yourselves, lots of feminists won't talk about this because they're worried about being called turfs. 
and the Labour Party and all sorts of institutions, what they don't realise is that the consequence of their cowardice is that children will be genuinely yeah. harmed. Thousands what? of children, yeah. tens of thousands. When we're talking about the women's rights and the women's spaces, yes, the women prisoners, it's terrible. Not one woman should have to shower in front of a, a, a man who calls himself a woman, especially a sex offender. But we're still talking tens, 15, you know, 20 women, 100 women. Mm. The children, the numbers are off the scale and they're mm. only getting bigger and bigger because we're teaching all of it in school. We're <laughs> advertising in the middle of Minecraft videos. We're, you know, it's, it's from all angles. I thought one one of the most interesting things in recent times has been the pushback against some of this education in Birmingham, mm. which very notably has come largely from Muslim communities. Yeah, good for them. Which they I deliberately think, launched, Moffat deliberately launched that programme in the most Muslim school. He says yeah, it quite openly, doesn't right, he? Absolutely. <laughs> and I think what's interesting about that is that I, I fully support these Muslim parents and the other religious parents who at a certain point joined their protests. And it strikes me that it's it's now bizarrely fallen to those sections of British society who have pretty traditional beliefs, pretty religious beliefs, sometimes quite hardcore religious beliefs, to defend rationality yeah. against the so-called progressives and yeah. against the so-called feminists and against the education establishment. But, Protect our girls. Yeah, and I think one of the key, one of the key front lines in this, I think, does lie with parents. And that's not to say that parents us uh, are necessarily slacking and being useless and crap and they need to get their act together mm. but they do need the space in which they can make these kinds of judgments yeah. in relation to their kids without being denounced as bigots i think that's one of the key problems well i think there's we are in a culture now where a lot of parents don't actually spend that much time with their children and so they're not having these conversations. You know, when my son saw that video in the middle of Minecraft, he went, oh, mummy, you won't believe it. It's even ruined Minecraft. <laughs> <laughs> and so he's, you know, we've talked, clearly we've talked about it because I do loads with it. But it's a dereliction of duty as a parent. If your kids are being taught stuff in schools, I mean, I think in Warwickshire, they're teaching mid-teens about anal sex and I'm not going to say the other terms but if you go and have a look at Warwickshire stuff I've never heard of seriously <laughs> 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 in my mid-40s really bizarre <laughs> fetishy weird but it, it's really uh, the sexualization is going hand in hand with this gender stuff yeah um that we we think it's okay to talk to primary school children do you know what at primary school let's do some maths and some yeah. english a little bit of science <laughs> and pe and then let's leave the moral compass stuff yeah. to parents you know when they're in their in in secondary school i think it's absolutely fundamentally right and proper in our society to talk about all sorts of sexual orientation and to stop the bullying and you know make sure everyone's informed but at primary school, absolutely not. They make it compulsory at the end of this month, aren't they? They've suddenly rushed through a new proposal. What four-year-old doesn't need to know? It's compulsory. It's so, You're not allowed to take your kids out. And it's if so you bizarre. Do, it's so clearly a form of woke indoctrination where they so want to mad. get that generation mm. onto the correct way of thinking, supposedly. But I want, uh, I, I want to briefly, in relation to the woman question, because mm, yeah. you guys have made a rallying cry of the word woman, mm -hmm. effectively. It strikes me as so odd that the transgender movement has effectively given rise to a situation where a parody of womanhood, which yeah. is what many trans women are, is celebrated 
Whereas real womanhood, mm. i.e. the thing that young girls are going through, mm. is seen as disgusting and must be hidden away and shameful and maybe I should take drugs to stop it from happening. Mm. And you think, so the parody of womanhood is, is celebrated. The, the reality of womanhood is increasingly demonized and seen as something potentially problematic. But you even now have a situation where the word woman itself is a problem. So we hear the phrase pregnant people. We hear the phrase... <laughs> the X in it. Uh, the X yeah. in woman, because you can't possibly... You know, it's like it's, a, it's an expletive that has to be hidden away. <laughs> you have the phrase cervix havers. Mm. I mean, that literally... I. When I first learned about this trans stuff, I just thought that, you know, feminists on Twitter would find these really obscure examples of cervix errors. But it's not. Yeah. It's not. It's yeah, everywhere. It's so uh, for you guys who have made woman a rallying cry, which yeah. I think is a really interesting thing to have done and, and sparked a really important conversation, how would you, what's the importance for you of defending the basic word woman? Well, because every time you erase where the woman, where the word woman should be, then you just cease to sort of see us as women. Yeah. Because then anybody can be a woman. If you have a cervix haver, then it doesn't really matter what that person calls themselves. And so it's just this, it's very gentle. It's very well done. They aren't doing it. So prostate cancer, I think the other day had some um, big push and, and it used the word man bizarrely, <laughs> quite frequently. Um, and it was, you know, men, you need to check yourselves mm. or men, you need to go to the doctors. Whereas for women, yeah. there was in Canada, the cervical cancer um, society or the, the cancer society had a special page. I'm not lying. Um, please look it up. I think it may be deleted, but I certainly have seen it. Um, a special page for trans women that may have... <laughs> May have cervical cancer. Might have a neo cervix. Oh my goodness. <laughs> That's genuinely quite disturbing. I mean, it's, it's disturbing, so but disturbing. it's so... I sometimes think, like, we can do... There's only so much that we can do by sort of telling everybody that woman is important and that biology exists and, and it matters and, and all this stuff. But sometimes if you just sit back... And let these men speak for themselves. Yes. Yeah. It is an absolute yeah. gift. Because <laughs> you don't really believe it when we say it. No. <laughs> I know people in my life, they don't really believe it until they see it. See it yeah. And it's real. Yeah. But, like, so um, the other thing that I saw on YouTube recently was uh, a trans woman, i.e. a born male, saying that, yes, I have periods. And you, th and you <laughs> oh, get yeah. to a point where you think to yourself, can you not even let periods belong to no, women no, i mean every single you say, oh not even but you see this you know ray blanchard's um theory of autogynophilia yeah you know there's there's the there's all the different kinds i should have it written down but one of the kinds of autogynophilia is an obsession with pregnancy and menstruation mm. you know because the whole thing is yeah. like this the whole thing of transsexualism transgenderism is it's about it's it's like blackface it's like blackface it's like rachel dorsey or whatever she's called it. it's like the dominant oppressor sort of enjoying being the subordinate class i think the, the you know and so that all the medical stuff is yeah. really it's part of the fetish i read a thing you know this thing i put on facebook this morning i just couldn't believe it it was it was from like tumblr or something where transsexuals uh, are talking about periods there's a whole th or reddit or something like that and then this one guy saying he put sandpaper in his bra to have the sensation of of sore breath wow. and, and I can't, I'm not even going to repeat that what is, they do and then this other one comes on and it's just 
I wouldn't even want to say it here because it's so revolting what they do to simulate having periods and, and it's period such pain. A, it's, I mean, it is deeply disturbing. I mean, the Jonathan Yaniv case in Canada yep. really speaks to that because he had a, a, a very warped obsession with um, tampons and periods mm, and mm. young people. And Lily and, Madigan does too. And Lily Madigan. And that's the whole period poverty thing. It's all part of that fetish. Yeah. And so so th- there are aspects of that which are, are incredibly strange. And I think it, what it really speaks to is this is just this mockery of womanhood yeah. where every aspect of it being is. a woman just be- becomes a joke. A or joke or a reason for a complete harder. joke. And so it's, really, so it's really disturbing. So I have one more question. I have a million more questions, but I've got one more I'm going to ask you, which is uh, what you guys say makes a lot of sense to me, particularly in relation to the way in which this movement is not a friend of gay and lesbian mm people and particularly gay and lesbian activism of the past and absolutely not a friend of women and the whole idea of womanhood so this is a really broad question but i guess what i want to ask you is why is it because i find this very frustrating and annoying why is it do you think that lots of feminists are going along with the transgender idea and what can be done to try and shake at least that section of society out of this way of thinking I'd probably say they're quite stupid, um, <laughs> which is not the um, oh, most my, my fair thing, answer. isn't it? Yeah, it's, Venice, you say you're either mad, stupid, evil, or personally invested. There can be no other explanation. <laughs> you have to be one of the or a mixture of or those four of things. Yeah. yeah, but I think also women do face more risk. So we do we face sort of online banning. We, you know, um, Nick Griffin has gone on. There's a quite litigious uh, man who's currently taking somebody to court. He's going to sue several her, but, uh, but several people. And Nick Griffin's gone after him. You know, the, the champion of women, <laughs> <laughs> Nick, Nick Griffin. And oh, it's so perfect. So Nick Griffin basically says quite horrible things. Well, true things that are also horrible. And I just, I sent it to uh, a few friends at a screenshot. And I was like, he's not going to go after Nick Griffin. Mm. Like, like he has all the women that have dared say, we know you're a man. He's not going to go after him. So I'm going to throw it back. And I'm going to say, let's not ask the feminists to do any more. So I would ask all men to just stop being silent. If you care about your elderly mother in a home who's going to not be able to ask for a female to come and care for her, if you care about people going in hospital and can no longer have a single sex ward, if you care about your daughter in school being embarrassed and not wanting to go to the toilet because she's worried that a boy's going to be next to her, you know, whether she's having a period or not, if you care about any of those things, it's men's duty to speak up because no one's taking you to court. Posey and Venice, thank you very much. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you for listening to The Brendan O'Neill Show. We'll be back with another guest and more discussion. Don't forget to subscribe. And in the meantime, keep reading Spiked at www.spiked-online.com.